Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John chapter 3. Appreciate um, the men and their leading of our worship up to this point. It's been uplifting, it's been encouraging, it's been reverent and in order. And that's what God asks of us. And so I appreciate what has been done up to this point. And we continue in our worship to God by hearing a lesson from His Word. It's my honor and my privilege to be able to stand before you this morning and to deliver a message from God's Word. You know, someone asked Jesus, what was the greatest command? We remember this. It's pretty well known to us in Scripture. He said, Jesus, what is the greatest command? Remember what he said. He said, the greatest command is to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And he also said, to love your neighbor as yourself. In Mark's account of this, in chapter 12, verse 31... Jesus goes on to say, there is no other commandment greater than these. And in Matthew's accounting, 22 and verse 40, Jesus says, on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. It is clear that loving God is intertwined with loving our neighbor. And we have a special duty to our brothers and sisters in Christ to make sure that we are being gracious towards them. In Galatians 6, verses 9 and 10, it says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. So we have a special duty to be gracious and loving to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We demonstrate our love to God by loving our brethren. In 1 John 4, verse 21, it says, And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. The book of 1 John is filled with this idea of the love for the brethren. Back in chapter 3, part of what Um, was read this morning, verse 16. We know that we love, uh, we know that we love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and that we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. This is to what extent we are to go to demonstrate the love of our brethren. John here says, we ought to lay down our life for our brethren. Now, do you think you'll ever be called to do this? I would guess that probably not. I think very few in the world would be asked. But especially in the the life that we live, in this culture that we live, in this country that we live, it's probably very unlikely that we'll be asked to lay down our life for our brethren. So what should we be ready to do short of laying down our life for our brethren? If we think that, and we surmise, that we're not going to be asked to lay down our life, what should we do up to that point? Look there in verse 17. But whoever has the world's goods 
and behold, and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? If we are blessed with the riches from this world and we have means to take care of our family and to take care of those in need, and we withhold that from our brethren, are we demonstrating our love for God? Shouldn't we be willing to give up anything short of our life in service to our brethren? After all, Jesus gave up his life. Shouldn't we have that same mindset? Sacrificial? Willing to give up whatever we have for our brethren. Loving our brethren to this extent demonstrates how much we love God. And there's a lot that comes from this love of the brethren that we have. There's a lot of benefit to us from this love. Let's continue our reading here in 1 John 3. I want to read verses 19 through 24, and then we're going to come back and make some points out of these verses. But I want us to understand what's being explained here is the benefits of loving the brethren. Beginning verse 19, 1 John 3. We shall know by this that we are of the truth and shall, and shall assure our heart before him. And whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment. That we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. And the one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And we know by, that, we know by this that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he gave us. In these verses, John tells us again, the demonstrate, he demonstrates the benefits of this kind of love that we have for our brethren. There's benefit to us. We are, this year, looking at lessons that go along with this theme, confidently approaching the throne of God, the throne of grace. We're looking at lessons that help us in building our confidence in the God that we serve. And there are things that we do, things that Scripture has pointed out for us that build our confidence so that we can indeed confidently approach the throne of grace. So here in these verses, we have these benefits of a deep and sacrificial love for the brethren. So let's consider these. Let's consider the benefits that we have when we love our brethren and are willing to give up everything for them. The first here, in verse 19, that we are of the truth. What does that mean? In John 8 and verses 31 and 32, it says, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There's a connection here about being free and knowing the word of God, knowing what the truth is. Back in verse 14 of 1 John 3, it says, We know that we have passed out of death into life. Why? Why? Because we love the brethren. 
He who does not abides in death. The truth has set us free. And now we abide in the love of the brethren. The word of God, the truth has set us free. And now the love that we demonstrate towards each other is how we abide. We abide in the love that we have for each other. Again, demonstrating our love for God. Also in verse 19, it says that it will assure our heart before him. Assure our heart before him. We need assurance that we are doing the right thing. We know this just from our own life experiences, don't we? It's nice to be assured that we're doing the right thing. God's word provides that for us. And our heart provides that for us if we are living the life that we should be living. Loving and caring for our brethren helps provide that assurance. Again in verse 14, why? Because we love the brethren. If we are engaged in loving the brethren, we have the assurance that we are doing God's will. That's what he wants us to do. So we are assured in that. It goes on to say our heart condemns us when we're not loving the brethren as we should. Our heart condemns us when we're not loving the brethren as we should. But that is rectified by knowing that God is greater than our heart. It says there in verse 20. God is greater than our heart. So even though our heart may condemn us, God is greater than that. What does that mean? It means that God is, from what Paul says here in Ephesians 4 and verse 6, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. When we suffer weakness, when we fall down, we can always know that there's something greater than us. And that something greater than us is always God. He is greater. We can look to him for strength. He's greater than all things and he will help us. But only if we put our trust in him. We talked about this morning about trusting in God and carrying out his will and not turning our backs on him, moving forward. When we neglect those things, we're turning our back on God. We're not doing his will. And we're not understanding that even though he's greater than our heart, if we turn our back on him, he won't help us. Another benefit, and this speaks directly to our theme for the year of confidently approaching the throne of grace, is that we have confidence before God. This is what we're looking for, isn't it? Confidence. To be assured that we're doing the right thing. And have the confidence when we approach our God. With no condemnation in our heart, we can be at peace. Think about the state that we would be in if there's no condemnation in our heart. We're living a righteous life to God. That's a peaceful life. Yes, there are things that are going to come along that upset us. But overall, we can live a peaceful life. 
in Hebrews 12 and verse 14, it says, Pursue peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. There's a connection here, isn't there? Also, Romans 12 and verse 18, So as much as it depends on us, be at peace with all men. So this peace that we're searching after is connected with the peace that we need to be in with our brethren. These two passages right here, pursue peace with all men, be at peace with all men. What does it tell us? It, tell us, it tells us that peace in the Lord requires peace in the brotherhood. We can't have peace with God if we're feuding with our brethren. We may have disagreements. That's okay. We can work those things out. But we got to be at peace with our brotherhood. When it comes down to doctrinal issues, we have to stand firm for the faith and for the truth and take that stand. But that still can be done in a loving and caring way. And if we have a brother who is being objectionable and is causing strife, then we have a method by which we deal with that brother. But peace needs to be maintained. Peace in the Lord requires peace in the brotherhood. This helps us in our confidence before God that we're living a peaceable life. There's another benefit of a deep and sacrificial love for the brethren. And that is that our prayers are answered. In verse 22, our prayers are answered. And our prayers are answered if they're offered in the way that God has determined. In other words, if we keep his commandments, it says there in that verse, and God hears us. So he has determined the way in which we offer prayers to him. So if we want our prayers to be heard, we need to go to his word and understand how it is that we offer prayers. A few verses here that help us to understand. From Psalm 60 and verse 18, there must be no sin in our heart. Similarly, in Job 27, verses 8 and 9, no ungodliness within us. If we offer up our prayers to God, they need to be done in this way. In Isaiah, God says that there's, there's to be no blood on our hands. And having those conditions met when God speaks to us through his word, we have to hear his counsel. We have to hear what he says to us. It's one thing to pray and then not read the word of God. How will you find your answers? Pray in this way, knowing what God's word has already told us. Hearing his counsel. What he says to us through his word. And there's other conditions on prayers as well. From James, the book of James, we see a couple of these. Our prayers need to be asked in faith. We need to have faith when we petition God on our own behalf and on the behalf of others. Without faith, it rings hollow. God wants us to have faith when we ask him. He also wants our prayers and our desires to be without selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. James 4, verse 3, and also in verse 15, shows us that. that You've got to pray in the right way. Not for selfish ambition, 
Not going and say we will do this and that, but what? If the Lord wills, we will go do, do this and that. So when we pray, these are some of the ways that God has determined for us to pray. It starts with being free of sin, having our hearts cleansed. If there's unrepented sin in your life, repent of it. And go to God as you go to God in prayer. And then hear what he has to say to you from his word. Another benefit from this deep and sacrificial love that we have. We believe and continue to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. What does that mean? John here is talking about a specific kind of faith. A faith that's associated with Jesus' name. And there's a lot that comes along with Jesus' name. Be summed up this way. That Jesus is the Son of God. We could spend hours and lessons after lessons talking about all of this. What it means. We simply boil it down. Jesus is the Son of God. His deity, his humanity, his prophecy, the fulfillment of his prophecy, him leaving heaven. All those are done because Jesus is the Son of God. And this was God's plan, to send his Son to the world to redeem men from their sins. So there's a faith there. And that faith is coupled with loving one another. It says there in in verse 23, if we have this faith and love one another. So yes, we have the faith, but are we loving the brethren? What does Jesus say the commandment, the great commandment was? To love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And then he immediately couples that next one with it, doesn't he? To love your neighbor as yourself. John here bringing that to fruition again in a different way, different language that he's mentioning here. He's talking about the faith that we have in God. That's loving God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind and strength. And then coupling that with the love that we have for one another. We cannot have faith without loving the brethren. They're connected. If we believe in God, if we have faith in God, then we will love those that are around us in our brotherhood. The last one, the last benefit here that's mentioned is abiding in him from verse 24. And the one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. There's an abiding that takes place. What does that mean? It means there's a mutual living together, a mutual habitation. In John chapter 14 and verse 23, it says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Isn't that a beautiful way to express it? If we keep God's commandments, if we do his will, God and his son Jesus Christ make their abode with us. 
They live with us. What an intimate connection that is. What an intimate relationship that is. And that's what God desires. Abiding in the word and being confirmed by the spirit. So our responsibility is to abide in the word. That's what Jesus says there. If he loves me, he will keep my word. That's our responsibility. That's our duty. God is faithful and that this is confirmed by him through the Spirit. In verse 24, it says, And we know by this that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, it says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If you're a child of God, the Spirit of God dwells within you. And that's how he demonstrates his love for us. That's how he confirms that we are his child. We keep his word, he abides in us. We keep his commandments, he makes his home with us. Outside of that, he's not abiding with us. If we're not keeping his commandments, He's not making his abode with us. What does all this mean to us in a very practical way? It can be summed up like this. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. What kind of faith is it? It's a faith that's specific. It's faith in the name of Jesus Christ. All that that encompasses. The fulfillment of the prophecy of him. The salvation that's made available through him. That's the faith that we are to have. And loving God because of that faith. And that faith coupled with the love of our brethren truly demonstrates that we love God. We can have faith in God and not love our brethren, but are we really doing what God wants us to do? We've made the point over and over again. Loving our brethren is part of our faith in God. Love of God is demonstrated by the love that we have for each other. We cannot love God and hate our brother. The two things don't go together. I'll leave you with this. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. Our brothers are right in front of us, aren't they? Our brothers and our sisters, they're right in front of us. If we can't give of our means and love them, and provide for them as they have need. When we see them, how can we truly have faith in God who we have not seen? That's John's point. And the point is, to have that love, that beneficial, or beg your pardon, the, the kind of love that we are to have for God is a sacrificial, 
a deep and sacrificial love for the brethren. That demonstrates our love for God. If you're not a child of God, you're not abiding with him. You're not making your home with Jesus and, and God the Father. And they're not making their home with you. Become a child of God so that you can enter into that relationship. And if as a child of God you're not doing, you're not demonstrating the kind of love that you are to have for the brethren, make the necessary corrections in your life. We went through seven things that are beneficial to a child of God if they're loving the brethren. And it comes down again to our theme for the year of confidently approaching the throne of grace. We demonstrate our love for each other. We are assured of that. He hears our prayers. It gives us confidence that we may approach our Creator and our God. If there are things that you need to confess of a public nature, you can do that today by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.